Have you been looking for a way to stay focused on your goals and grow your MSP? Accountability groups from Rocket MSP can help. We offer weekly accountability sessions that meet online with a group of your peers. Your success begins with accountability. Go to www.rocketmsp.io to join your accountability group today. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Plus, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's literally everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. We are live. Well, guys, I mean, guy. There's one of you, Ian, but there's yes, hello. eventually multiple people watching this. There will be literally tens of them. They'll be <laughs> flocking. <laughs> so, Ian, thanks for joining me, man. Um, for those of you that don't know, this is Ian Alexander. He is with Synchro. Ian, why don't you tell them uh, a little bit about yourself, about Synchro for me? Yeah, sure. Uh, my name is Ian Alexander. I'm Chief Operating Officer and one of the co-founders at Synchro MSP. Um, we're a software platform. We make combined PSA and RMM and all kinds of other things uh, all in one place. Modern platform uh, with modern business practices and um, we like to ship new features that people ask for and we have fun and been around for a little while now and uh have a lot of traction and it's been a fun adventure so awesome. i'm here to hang out well well thanks for joining me and i gotta say um i'm not sure if you've been keeping up with the videos i've been doing with uh crystal over there but i, I have been delightfully impressed by synchro um i'm glad to hear it i i'm not gonna say it's the best I don't think any of them are the best, to be honest. No, nothing, nothing is exactly what everyone wants, you know. Otherwise, there'd only be one product. Right. Um, there's no one size fits all. There's really not. However, uh, this is this is really good, especially for the price. What you guys are offering is just—it's really solid. Um. So, let let me ask you, you guys, um, you guys are competing against some big names like Autotask, ConnectWise, Kaseya. Um, you guys are even competing against some, I'll call them smaller names, like Atera or Pulseway. I'm sure there's some others I'm not thinking of. No offense to those companies, it's just what popped in my mind. Um, so with that said, how do you, how do you determine what you're going to do when when you when you're like you know let's let's make an update you know is it well xyz company has this we should have this too or what's what's kind of your your frame of thought with this um that's a good question um we have a whole process for that it, it actually it's a rather uh large undertaking um, I can go through the process and what that looks like, but let me talk a little bit about the high level, 
why behind what we're doing. We've always enjoyed working with small businesses and making it so that their lives are better, making them more efficient, making it so people can spend more time with their kids or they can make more money or they can hire that new employee that they really need or whatever that might be. Um, and I think part of that is um, just listening to our users. So we don't really look that much at what our competitors are doing. Um, it's almost all just feedback from users on what they want us to build. And we take that feedback in any way we can get it. Uh, We have people that send us emails. They call us on the phone. They're in a sales demo. They're um, on social media. I mean, I'm on Reddit all the time, for example, I'm sure you've seen and, and just watching all the talk there. So we take all that stuff, we compile it into lists. And every so often we walk those lists and we prioritize based on how big the feature might be. So like how much time it's going to take our devs to build and which devs are available because some features, some devs are going to be better at than others, or it's like, you know, part of their superpower or something to work with that particular technology. And, um, you know, sometimes, and, and also probably the biggest factor is how many users ask for it. So if we have a thing that is, um, very highly requested versus, and it's large versus, many small things that are about the same amount of work and also highly requested we have to work on like balancing that right because the big thing's going to take longer which means we have to start it earlier so that it lands at a you know at a reasonable time so there's all this balancing and figuring out um what should happen and all these things are happening in parallel because we have you know many developers at this point so we have multiple kind of lanes different technologies there's lots of stuff to balance there um and so that whole process uh, we, we go through and then we're, we're building stuff and then we're doing it again. And, um, I don't know if that gives you a little bit of an idea, but no, it does. I would, I would say that it just to say it quickly, it's all based on user feedback. We're not, we're not really going out and looking at what everybody else is doing. I, it doesn't feel super necessary because our users, our users know <laughs> if yeah. that makes sense. So, so you don't need to go do research because you're, I mean, let's face it, your your users are doing the research already. You know, they're going out, they're looking, and they're, they're trying to figure out which PSA, which RMM is the best one for me. And if it's like, well, this one just has a couple features that's missing from Synchro. If Synchro just added this, I wouldn't even care. I, I, I wouldn't even care to be trying to switch. Then, yeah. then they reach out to you. And you, you add it to the list if it's not already there, or you just... Do you, do you guys have some type of... Um, I know I know some companies have some type of uh, uh, project management tool, like a Trello, that we are able to look at? We don't have a public roadmap. I think there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, one, it's a lot of work to manage. We had one for Repair Shopper, um, one of our other products, and I think it kind of made everyone unhappy. Like, it, it, um, it's a funny thing where I, I totally get why people want it. Um, but I think what, what we've seen with those is that the thing that gets the most votes we're already working on. So it doesn't really... Because we already know. Like, we're already talking to the users. So we already know what the most voted thing is going to be. And it doesn't really help us decide because we're already working on that thing. And then... there, But what ends up happening is... Um, 
we have to say no to people on a lot of little things that only really they want and they're not like they're not the highest thing on the list and that just makes people upset and that's not fun for us and it's not fun for them um so i think there's like yeah there's pros and cons like i i'm super i'd love for people to know what we're working on but i also think it's a full-time job for one of our employees to manage that board maybe more than one employee um and i'd rather hire a dev that's fair so how you know so i think yeah how many how many developers do you guys have these days our team's like we're hiring pretty we're growing a lot so i actually don't know because <laughs> we've hired multiple this month oh, um wow. i think we're past 60 employees now okay um so let's break that down and i i don't need like exact numbers per se i'm just I think curious it's at least like, 20 so 20 people we think are, are developers at least yeah and then there's some tech support people that's this that might be the largest team maybe okay. second largest i don't know if there's more or less people on tech support than dev gotcha. i probably should know but i don't have it in my head it's on paper somewhere or in an app and you don't yep those are, those are these by are, far we, the two these are probably just like weird questions once you get past a certain number of employees it, it probably gets a little blurry as to what the number is well i could probably name them all for you but i don't know what the like number is that's anyway funny. um that's no, okay yeah those are definitely the two largest teams it's so, not even close so what other teams do you have we have a small marketing team. We have a relatively small sales team, although we have a lot of demand right now for like demos and whatnot. So that team's been growing. So we can, <laughs> we literally can't get, you know, we have to give people demos when they ask for it. So, and, and uh, let's be honest, that team's it's, growing. it's, I'm sure most of it's thanks to all these videos I'm doing. A hundred percent. Yes. That's that we take, you know, at the beginning of every demo, we're like, how did you hear about us? And they all say, Steve. Yeah. Um, that's, that's gotta yeah. be it. That's got to be it. So, uh, yeah, I would say we have a s small sales team. Um, uh, we actually have, like, some admin folks now. Like, it wasn't for a while till we had, like, well, we're completely remote. So when I say office manager, it's kind of a virtual office manager because there's sure. no office. But um, we have some folks doing that kind of stuff, HR now, um, helping us hire because it takes a while to hire good people. Um, yeah, but I would say the, the vast majority of people are um, on the dev side and or and product side okay. and uh, and in support. Okay. And then um, you know you've, you've also got an executive team. Yep. So I, I know that Synchro was kind of born with the merger of two businesses and I don't want to complete rehash if, if people really want the full story watch one of our earlier videos but if you could just give us a quick you know 10 20 second version of of how synchro was born yes okay I started a company called repair tech with some other folks on the team we made software for computer repair shops and MSPs another company existed called repair shopper that made let's just call it a PSA for all kinds of repair businesses, including computer repair and MSPs. We merged 
and then we combined some of our technology and then built on top of that and that became synchro and so that was in 2017 we've been building synchro ever since it's been a lot of fun and now i'm here with you awesome so i've had and i couldn't tell you when the last time somebody asked me this question it could have been nine months ago but but i've had people ask me hey when you when you talk to ian can you figure out what's going on with kabuto like is is that still does that still exist um i think you asked me this last time i think it's the same answer um it yeah it still exists i mean we still like support it but it's not going to get new features i think um it's surprising to me that all the kabuto people haven't moved to synchro i i frankly don't know why it's it's better in every way (laughs) what's um, the pricing like between the two most people save money when they switch to synchro really because yeah because in kabuto you pay per endpoint for antivirus and for monitoring and you know those people also have a psa somewhere because it's just kabuto is just a lightweight rmm we so hold on you're assuming that these people that are using kabuto are also using a psa i mean isn't it yes isn't it if they're not they should be if they're not they should be um and if they're small if they're like super small like what's the cheapest anyone can get kabuto for um ballpark i guess it depends how many endpoints you have but it come, it's $120 a year for the, like, base subscription, but that yeah. all that is is the, like, call, like, you know, your thing's broken, here's a pop-up. Yes. Um, can it you doesn't do include the monitoring or the AV. In Synchro? Like, can we can we do that call us because something's broken thing? Maybe you, that's you why they have a switch. You can basically do that now. Yeah, there's, there's, like, one little... It used to be that there was more stuff that you could do in Kabuto that you couldn't do in Synchro, but now that we have the... Um, there, there's all kinds of stuff now in Synchro where you can interact with the user on the desktop. So you can essentially do all of that now. Um, yeah, it's it's just like 100,000 times more powerful, and it's it's really not much more expensive when you factor in... Like, if, if you're just using Kabuto for the, like, calling card thing, I get that. Yeah. Um, but if, you know, if you're, if you're an MSP... I don't if if you're an MSP uh, yeah. and Kabuto's your thing, I I worry that you're doing something wrong. If if I'm going to be completely honest, and, and yeah. it's, I mean okay, so maybe you support uh, residential and commercial. Uh, still, don't you have a PSA and RMM tool for your commercial clients? You know what? Why wouldn't you want to merge all of that into one tool, Synchro? And then you can deploy your software to all of your commercial endpoints, all of your residential endpoints. It doesn't matter how many they are, because whether you're supporting 10 endpoints or 10,000, Synchro is the same price. Exactly. It's, it's all about the number of employees you as an MSP have that need access to the software. Right. And, you know, before we didn't have things like attended support. We only had unattended. And so there were things like that where for a home user, they might not want unattended. So, but we, you know, we have all that stuff in Synchro now. So I just don't, you know, I think there are still people using Kabuto and that's fine. It's, it's flattering, honestly, 
because sure. we haven't built anything new for it in quite a while. Because um, we just thought everyone would switch to Synchro. Well, sure. That makes sense. And, and, and actually, the majority of people have. So, But there are still some lingering folks over there. Um, yeah, so I think eventually everyone will have switched. I think that's kind of the, the like long-term thing. And if anyone hasn't and they want to tell me why, I would be... I would love to hear it, and I'd love to accommodate that. Okay. That's good to know. So, for those of you that are still holding out on Kabuto, Ian challenges you to switch everything over to Synchro, and if there's something that just isn't there, let the let the people over at Synchro know, and they'll do their best to fix it. Yep. Because I, I suspect they would like to have um, feature parity on the features people want. You know, it, it doesn't make any sense to add a feature that Kabuto has if nobody really uses it or cares. That just sounds like wasted dev time. Yes, and I will say that um, the, the technology we used back in the day to build Kabuto, um, not on the Windows side, but on the web side, it's harder for us to add stuff mm. than on the Synchro side. Um, so it's a lot more fun for our devs to build things for Synchro. Um, so that's, yeah. So, so talk to me about that. You, you mentioned the technology is different. So I'm not, I'm not looking for all the details, obviously, but you know, when, when you're building a PSA RMM tool, like yep. what, what does that look like? Like, like what kind of platform are you guys building this on? We use Ruby on Rails for okay. pretty much everything on the website. Um, and obviously, there's all kinds of other stuff. The, the thing I was mentioning is on Kabuto, we use Closure Script for the front end, which um, not as many devs know. And it's just a little more. It's a functional language, so it's a little it's a little harder. Gotcha. Um, you know, but we use, we use Ruby on Rails um, on the back end. And then on, on the Synchro side, we also use Ruby on Rails. Um, we use some React JS. We use, um, I mean, it's mostly Ruby, which is okay. awesome. It's a really fun framework. Um, it enables us to build things really fast. We keep it up to date. I think one of the like, uh, <laughs> like, hard things is making sure that when you know you you start off say in 2012, you're on Rails. Uh, you know, 3.2 or whatever it was, and then they make Rails 3.4, and then Rails, uh, Rails 4, and then you're like a whole generation behind, and you have to spend the time to upgrade your Rails thing, and mm. that enables you to get these new features that enable you to go faster. They fix security holes, all kinds of stuff like that. We keep that up to date, which is a lot of work, but it it enables us to go fast. That is really great. So, with with developing with Ruby on Rails, I'll be completely honest, Ruby on Rails, I never bothered to look into. Um, you know, because cause everything that I do that really revolves around code, I really like to, to focus a lot more on like web design stuff. And I think you can do web design with Ruby on Rails, but for, you know, the clients that just want, you know, the brochure on the web, why? Why would you use Ruby on Rails? Oh, you wouldn't Rails. do that. You know, for those people, they can use WordPress, they can use Squarespace, whatever, yeah. Exactly. Ruby on Rails is like if you need some intense customization. 
Right. So, so yeah, I, I do everything. I, I use WordPress. Um, I just started using Cloudways as my WordPress hosting. It's amazing. If anyone wants to talk about that, I'd be happy to talk about that. Uh, I've, I've, been, I've been really focusing lately on like improving loading times, improving like Google page speed insights and like that type yeah, of stuff. Yeah, that stuff's fun. So yeah, I, f I, found a, I found a new plugin that took my website from like a 13 to a 99 out of 100 on the Google PageSpeed Insight score. So I was, was really excited about that. I'm I like pretty, to... like, addicted to looking at that. That uh, There was a while where I was working on our SEO, and it was, it's yes. fun to watch it go up. Our SEO consultant guy was like, you can stop now. It doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> I like, but I want to see it go up. So, so you have an SEO consultant, and then you were also doing things yourself? Yeah, I mean, I used to build websites for people mostly wordpress sure so i like i know i can do the stuff myself but <clears throat> i've i've found that seo is such a deep world that having someone that's like monitoring what google is saying and changing is um is really helpful yeah because they're you know i can go and look at semrush or moz or whatever and I can figure it out, but frankly, they're just better at it. And okay. if, if you find someone that's really good, they're not going to write the content for you or anything, or they're not going to they're not going to go do the work for you. But they're going to tell you, hey, you might consider doing this. You might change your your page site title to be like three words different, and it'll have a big impact. Like that that kind of stuff. I, I think it's worth getting someone to do an initial audit at least. Um, even if. I could probably figure it out myself. They can do it in an hour, and they're gonna they're gonna be more detailed than me. So, hmm. I I know I built twenty WordPress sites or more or something, but I don't pretend to be an SEO guru. I just know how I I know how the stuff works, but I I'm not following a bunch of Google blogs. If that makes sense. It does. It absolutely does. All right, so. SEO, that's that's a fun thing to talk about. I, I bet you and I could talk about some of that stuff all day. Um, what would you say is is the most important thing that you guys have done to your website to increase its SEO? Um, I think initially there were a bunch of technical things. Um, so... You know, you go in, for example, in SEMrush and you do the, like, site audit thing and it gives you 500 things you should change. Oh, so, sure. So, you know, th I mean, there's all that stuff and that's fine. Um, well, yeah, and, I, I, and I'm not asking about, like... The thing is just experience. And like, Google cares a lot about people coming to your site and finding out that, you know, they look at bounce rate. Sure. For example. So someone coming to your site and actually spending time there... Okay. ...is, like, probably the, the biggest thing. So just making our site clearer making it look better making the page speed better just making the user experience really good i think that's that if i had to summarize everything that would be that would probably be it okay so i i like that and i would i would agree with you there um and i'm i'm glad he didn't say oh well you know we made sure we had the appropriate uh, uh architecture for all of our header tags and 
We had alt yeah. tags on all of our images. Like nobody. I mean, that stuff's fine, and it, you should that, do it. But... That stuff should get done. But I, I think content is number one. Content is king. Um, and I think you guys have like a blog and all that kind of stuff on your site. So you guys have yep. tons of content. And uh, and you're right. You know, making the the user experience is important because you know. The, the better blog stuff you write, for example, maybe the, hey, you know, let's see what else they wrote. What, what else should I read here? And now suddenly Google's going, oh, hey, you know, people actually think that these guys know what they're talking about. Google doesn't actually know if you know what you're talking about or if, or if you're relevant based on a search. But what Google will know is thanks to you having Google Analytics and, you know, Tag Manager and all this other stuff that Google has uh, on your site they will be able to determine, okay, somebody searched for this, they went to the site, they kept looking around. Obviously, they like what they saw because they kept going. And and so you, you kind of hit the nail on the head there. So, uh, good. All right, uh, let's do a tough question now. And and just so you guys know, it's, it's Wednesday, it's the 16th of September, 2021. Just kidding. It's 2020. Uh, it's 12:30. We're live, so um, feel free to, you know, if you're watching on YouTube, just pop some questions in the chat. And whether they're relevant or not to what we're currently talking about, if it's relevant to Synchro and and what you know what Ian's capable of answering at least, uh, I'll I'll ask it. I'll I'll, I'll pass it through. So uh, let's ask a tougher question. Synchro. I'm gonna dive right in. This one's gonna. This one's gonna hurt. Probably not, but you can try. Let's do it. Mac OS agent. What about it? When will it not suck? Yes, we're working on that. <laughs> um, I think the um, the beta we have of the Mac OS agent is not great. Um, that's probably an understatement. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm a Mac it, user, it, just so we're clear. It basically needs an overhaul, and we haven't felt like we had the right person for that. On staff, and, you mean? Yeah. Okay. And I think we do now. Okay. And um, it's in progress. Okay. So I remember, and it's probably been a month or two at this point, I sent in an email. Someone replied, you know, very nice guy. Your, your tech support team is awesome. Um, I sent some Mac OS, um, I'm going to call them feature requests. Yeah. Um, I, I thought the ability to remotely control the desktop would be nice. And I, I threw out there, like, I don't know, I feel like with Mac OS, it's, it's a lot more, you know, it's harder for you guys because there's really only one or two places that, that do Mac OS really well. So it's not like you have a bazillion people that are like, oh, well, ConnectWise does this and Kaseya does. It's like nobody cares about those on Mac OS. The ones they care about is like Adigy. Right. So have you guys have you guys gotten a bunch of feature requests? Have people compared it to Adigy? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know that we'll ever go as deep as Adigy. Adigy's like pretty awesome. Well, it, it is. But so um, perfect example. Uh, remote desktop. Adigy is able to use, it's like a VNC URL where I'm able to use my Mac OS built-in remote desktop viewer. 
Mm-hmm. And and then I'm I'm connected to the other Mac and everything's just happy hunky dory. Yep. Do you see that as as being an option that we'll be able to use in the future? I don't know about that particular way of doing it, but remote desktop in Mac is necessary. I agree. So, however we solve that, it needs to be there. Okay. Um I will say that the limitation we've had, most of the feature requests are things that we want to build already in the Mac agent, but the current Mac agent doesn't interface with a particular API in the, in Mac OS that right. is needed to to do a couple things like install all new applications, mm. um, which therefore limits remote access. Like you can't yep. integrate TeamViewer or Splash Shop or something if you can't install a DMG or what you know whatever. Um, so there are some API limitations that we're running into with the current agent. I think that hopefully that our rework will unlock all that stuff. It, it's not that we didn't want to build that stuff. It's that we kind of couldn't. Gotcha. Okay. Um, chat. Do you see the Mac getting chat? I, I um, assume that's one of yeah. those probably needs to install had... a thing. Yeah, I think that's ideal. I, I haven't, honestly, I haven't had discussions about that in particular. Um, mostly because we're, we're trying to, we've been trying to figure out um, rebuilding and, and that sure. kind of stuff, which then unlocks all that stuff. But we haven't, I don't know that we've had the the next conversation to talk about kind of, I would call that a really awesome feature, but maybe not V1. Okay. Um, you know, I think like remote desktop and a bunch of other things that probably come first because, well, what, what kind of, so, so what kind of, and I'm going to say MSP facing features are you hoping to release? Not necessarily guaranteeing release. I, I mean, high level, I think it should mostly have parity with windows. Um, okay. it, it doesn't need full parity just because mac os is a little cleaner but mm. um you know you should be able to do monitoring you should be able to do scripting you should be able to install things you should be able to um monitor for issues and remote into a machine okay. right like it's kind of the basic like you should be able to troubleshoot you should be able to fix things um, i i'll uh, yeah. I'll, I'll give you an amen to that man so <laughs> all right so I'll, I'll stop beating you up about Mac OS because it sounds like you, you've got a guy. It's in the works. Um, if you had to guess, again, not guaranteeing, I understand. How, how long? I mean, are we, are we thinking this year still? or? I honestly have no idea. Okay. Um, I'm not the one running that project. Got it. So, you know, that's probably a better question for our CTO. Um. Okay. And I will say with this kind of thing, there's a lot of variability that can happen. Um, you know, if you talk about a particular feature, you can get a little bit more granular and try to figure out, okay, it's between one and this many weeks or whatever. But when it's You really a, do have to rebuild the whole flipping thing. Yeah, so, I mean, that just introduces we, a knot, a whole... So what I'm going to then say is we could literally be 6 to 12 months out. In theory. We, if, if you I, if you hit every speed bump there is down the road, we we could absolutely hit six to twelve months or even longer. 
Um, I would like to think it won't be that long. I don't know. I I would like to think it won't be that long only because um, I I just am really impressed by the speed in which you guys roll things out. Um, We have really good devs, so it could be faster, and that could be right. I I'm really I don't feel like I can make a guess because I'm not up to date on that particular project. No, that's fine. So uh, I'm going to ask you a slightly easier question. Um, so this one I feel like is I, I feel maybe maybe like more of a design type thing. So one, I absolutely love that you guys have dark mode in this thing. Uh, it it makes my eyes happy. So so I I've been I've been doing it all, man. I I'm like running my my business stuff all through Synchro. The only thing I've not done is put all of my billing through Synchro. I'm waiting on the first of the year so I can just have it. Makes I'll, sense. I'll do it there. Um, so, so the one thing that I started doing this week is uh, implementing these website integrations. Mm-hmm. So, so this is really cool. So, for those of you that like have Synchro but haven't really gotten in and tinkered with things, um, there's a a thing that you can add to your site where it allows you to uh, allows an end user to create a service ticket and or uh, look up an existing ticket. Now I haven't really played with it as far as here's what they can do, but it it looks as though it's at least going to give them the ability to just kind of look things up and see where where it's all at. Yep. Um, I wish I could change the way it looks. Like, for example, it looked really janky when I used the code version, so I had to use the, um, uh, the non-customizable, everything's in a, uh, an iframe version. Um, uh. so I guess I would love if, I, I like that you give me, it's, it, it looks like it's editable because it's all code. You know, we, we've got the HTML code to to just pop this stuff on the site. I just wish it was a little more, I don't know, customizable within Synchro. Like, mm-hmm. change change some colors, change the look and feel, and then copy-paste the code. That way, right. that way we don't have to go through and spend an hour tinkering. Especially for the people, because, you know, there's a lot of MSPs that don't do web design, so they look at all this code and they're like, what on earth am I looking at here? Right, so I think that there are two opportunities. So, yeah, to, to clarify what you're saying, there's there's like a customizable one where, you know, if you wanted to, you could write custom CSS to override the classes and the IDs and whatnot for that, mm-hmm. and you could make it look however you wanted. Um, obviously, you would need some background with CSS, which I personally uh, feel is torture. Um, but our devs are very good at it and would disagree with me. Um, and uh, so I think there's that version where you can customize it and it does need you know some some dev background. but um, and then there's like the standard one. Mm-hmm. which is more of like an iframe type thing. Um, I agree that that could 
we could yeah we could make it easier for you to customize i think that a lot of people use the customer portal mm. instead of instead of the the embedded widgets they have a slightly different use case obviously you can't have um a lot of the, the website widget stuff people use that for like a kiosk in their store brick and mortar store um like say they have an ipad and they might have gotcha. someone check in right there that kind of thing um if someone's already a customer, the customer portal is awesome. It looks a little bit better, and um, you can change some of the colors and things like that. It's not tremendously customizable, but I would like to, to add some more stuff there. We did just enable you to change the color. Okay. All right. Um, on the flip side, I love the appointment calendar thing, or the appointment booking module, I should say. Um Again, I, I just started implementing this stuff, so I haven't had anyone use it. I haven't even had a chance to test it all myself. Yeah. But that one, super easy to just pop it in. Yep. Very yeah, sharp. it's great. So I I really like and I you know, this is some of this stuff is from the repair shopper days and that's fine. Do you do you see yourselves doing any other type of like website integration stuff? ever in the future at this time yeah um i could see chat expanding i could see um let's see I, you know i mean i could see all those website integrations becoming more customizable okay I, I don't know that those are at the top of the list but i could see them in the future there are other things people want more um yeah. and we'll ship those things first because it's all prioritized based on how many people ask for it and whatnot, as I we talked about before. But, um, yeah, I think we're super open to that stuff. And if lots of people ask for it, then that's great. <laughs> we like building things. All right. So that's that's really cool. I do have a question here from somebody. Uh, his name's Aaron, and he asked, uh, it's, it's his first time he's hearing about Synchro. Wow. Uh, how does Synchro compare with Datto or other RMM tools? Do you want to answer that, or should I answer that? I'll, I'll answer it, so that way you don't have to figure out how to be politically correct about this, Ian. So, Aaron, um, I would say that it's comparable to Datto and ConnectWise, Kaseya. The, the big thing is, you're talking just about RMM tools, but there's also... Uh, Autotask and Kaseya BMS and ConnectWise Manage. Um, these are all PSA tools and Synchro does both. Um, I'm not going to sit here and lie and tell you Synchro is the best. It has more features than any of the others, but I will say that there are some things that I was truly surprised. I'm like, oh, wow, this actually is able to do this. Uh, for example, I was able to make uh, some scripts that I, I was playing around. I made a, a silly script. If the print spooler is screwed up, uh, restart the print spooler. Uh, do stop spooler, net start spooler, and then create a ticket, add a time entry for 10 minutes, add a note, close the ticket. I was able to do all of that within a script, and it all just works like I, I tested it it worked great so the fact that you can create all of this like 
remediation stuff. And I'm not saying that no other no other RMM has this. I mean, I I was impressed because this is something that LabTech or ConnectWise Automate has had for a while, especially with their integration with ConnectWise PSA uh, Manage. So the fact that Synchro has this, I was, like I said, I was just delighted. It's, it's just great that it has it. Um, I feel like because it's all like truly web-based, it's, it's just fast. You know, I don't have to download an application to um, connect to a machine like I did with Datto RMM, although I think that's changed now. Um, I didn't have to. Um, I, I didn't have to install an application to use the PSA like I used to have to with ConnectWise. It all just works. So um, I I think the best way to answer your question is it's comparable. And um, I know that they've got uh, you've got a trial on the website, right, Ian? Yeah, I think the big the other big difference is we take a little more of maybe like a consumer approach to like our business practices. So you go to our website, there's just a free trial. You don't have to talk to anybody. Just go sign up for the thing. It's full featured for 30 days. If you want to talk to a salesperson, great. We don't have a super aggressive sales team. We're not going to call you every day. Uh, we're just there to help. Um, there's no contract, no negotiations. The pricing is transparent, mm -hmm. super fair. Um, all that stuff that you'd kind of like expect from maybe like a Netflix or something. Um, right. We, we do that, and it, I think it just makes the user experience really easy. And, it really does. I, I like yeah. that we don't have to haggle. Like, the price is the price. And, and I'll just come out and say, it's like, ballpark, if you're paying monthly, 120 ish dollars a month, and you get the PSA, the RMM, the remote access, the only thing that you really don't get with that price is Domo. Is that right? Or no, that one's 109 I think, is all, I need to, all we need to spend. It depends if you're paying monthly or yearly, but let's say you're paying monthly. Monthly, it's 109 a month, and you get everything except for Domo, and there's a Dropbox integration you don't get. But gotcha. Yeah, so, almost everyone is on the 109 dollar a month plan. And and just to throw this out there, for 109 dollars a month, that's per employee at your MSP that's going to access Synchro. So if it's just you and you're a one man shop. And you're managing 700 endpoints, you're spending $109 a month, and that's it. And you get a discount if you pay them yearly, all up front. Um, otherwise, you know, you, you pay them month to month. If you decide you want to take your ball and go home, you just get a new PSA and RMM, RMM tool and literally take your ball and go home. So, um, Tony here uh, wants to beat you guys up about the Mac OS. Uh, thing, Tony, I I did I did beat him up already, so I'm not going to rehash too much of this. But he he did say you know once it's got some some basic functionality and it's outside of beta, where you know it's reliably showing online offline, and then we can run scripts, then they think it'll be good enough to support their Mac OS users at that point. Um, and I I will say that. I've had trouble with remote control apps, even Screen Connect. Uh, I'm like hit or miss with Mac OS, um, which is why I said, man, I wish you would just use that built-in one because it's like a VNC that's just built into Mac OS. Um, mm -hmm. I would love if you just had that so that way my Mac could connect to a customer Mac 
it would make me very happy. All right. Um, let's talk about updating your Synchro PSARMM tool. So for those of you that are not using Synchro watching this, um, I, I feel like I can't keep up with your updates. And that's both a good and a bad thing, Ian. Um, you guys release so many features. Like, if, if I go and I look here, like, September 8th, September 15th, like, you guys ship features almost weekly. Sometimes oh, twice Oh, definitely. Weekly. Definitely weekly, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's fast. It, it is. So, with that said, like, and sometimes these are big features, like... One of the features they, they shipped in the last few months was like, hey, good news, guys. You can chat with your customers now. Like, that's new, right? Because cause I, I, I swear, like, like, okay, I'm glad I'm not crazy. So looking at, at the new features category of the Synchro blog, uh, password type variables have been added to the scripting system as of the 9th. Uh, you can now trial Bitdefender within Synchro as of the 3rd. Uh, as of the 2nd, default permissions for non-portal users. I mean, it's they just, they just keep adding things. And it's really, like I said, it's really great. But at the same time, like, some of these things are things like, oh, man, I should probably get to that. And then yep. the list just keeps getting longer and longer. So yep. what, um, what do you guys tell... First of all, you don't ever have customers complain that you release too many features, do they? Um, we used to, uh, actually, like a while ago. Um, we used to have complaints that we released stuff and people didn't know. Oh. And we, it was, <laughs> we would literally build a thing and we would forget to market it. Well, and so that's... we would we would forget and and then they would discover it and they're like, when did you release this? And so we've gotten better at. At least telling people we built a thing, you know. But we're we're a product company. I mean, we we're not we're not a sales driven company. So it's been it's been a good learning experience. I think there's a lot more we can do on the like content side of things when we release a new feature. We have gotten a lot better. You'll notice if you click any of those, there's usually a video. Mm -hmm. If it's anything of uh, like a slightly larger will have a video associated with it. That's new as of, say, the last six to eight months-ish or something. Um, so we're trying to do more stuff like that where there's some people that don't read the blog post that a video's better for them. We can describe more things in a video about use cases and why this is good. So I think we can expand a lot more on that and make it more digestible for people. The other thing we do every once in a while is a what's new in Synchro webinar. I think we can do them more often. We do them about every month and a half or two months, and we go over every single thing we released, and then we answer questions. Um, people love those, and we have hundreds of people attend those, but um, I want to make that kind of stuff a little more regular or something because it is a lot of stuff, and we're releasing that because people are asking for it and they want it, so people Good. aren't really – they're not unhappy – but um, yeah, I think we could we could help people implement a little bit more. Okay. Uh, with more content, for example, or how-to guides, things like that. Well, very good. So so yeah, I've you know 
as a as a new synchro user, I, I think I can get away with saying new. I've been using it under under sixty days. Um, wow, like I still don't even have like core synchro done yet, and you guys keep giving me more stuff to do. It's it's truly amazing. So kudos to you guys for that. Now I want to I want to kind of take this and I want to talk philosophy with you. And I I love that you you kind of took me there already. You said you are a product company, you know, you're a software company. And, mm-hmm. and so that means that your focus is developing software. Um, one of the things that I, I have found, and this is my opinion, um, is, is that as private equity or PE money gets into the MSP channel, companies stop being software companies and start becoming... Um, literally just mergers and acquisitions companies or companies that that are just worried about growth they're worried about sales not about their product um with that said we don't need to name names but i i think it's safe to say that there are some companies that are getting a bad rap right now because they have uh, let so many people go um, or, or whatever, and either the customer support has drastically reduced, the number of uh, updates getting shipped have drastically reduced, prices have gone up, or a combination of all three. And I think that the MSPs in the channel are really starting to get sick of this, and I think that might be a reason that you're starting to get like, you know, more and more people come to you guys because I am seeing a mass exodus out of some of these other tools because people have just had enough. So, first and foremost, what? How much do we need to beg to make sure you stay a private company and that you don't accept private equity money? Do you have any PE money right now? Am I muted? No. Okay, good. Um, no, I mean, we. so we've been bootstrapped for a long time. Uh, we grew organically. We were, we've been profitable for quite a while now and just growing organically. Um, we had some investors early on, and I think some of those folks might on the side do like private equity stuff, but it doesn't really have much to do with us. Um, I, you know, I think this comes down to like a philosophy thing. Like you said, um, I think that. Okay, so I'll answer this from like maybe an investor perspective or no, sorry, an entrepreneur perspective when you want investment and then um, and then maybe just like a product company kind of perspective. Um, Troy, our CTO, who I think deserves a lot of credit for driving this. um said yesterday he's like we were we were actually talking about like the philosophy behind what we're building and all this stuff and um he was talking about something that resonated with me which is like we put people first and we put profit second and that means our employees that also means our customers we putting that first and we just believe that that will lead to profit at some point and that has been true for us for our entire 
life cycle. If we ship the things people want, if we take care of our employees, if we take care of our users and we make sure that they're leading like good lives and that they have the things that they need to be successful, they'll tell other people about us and we'll get more customers and whatever. We will release more, say, antiviruses and they'll buy those things from us. It doesn't, you know, I think that that philosophy it makes us happy. We enjoy working in a company that puts people first, um, and our our team enjoys that. And then um, I think people can tell when they talk to our salespeople that mm. they're like happy, right? Like there's stuff like that. Um, so I think from a philosophical perspective, I think there's that perspective. I think the other thing is, um, you know. When you're an entrepreneur and you say, hey, I want to grow faster and I want to grow ahead of revenue, right? I want to invest in the business because I'm very confident that if we invest in the business and we hire all these people, say, ahead of time, and then we'll, we'll, like I'm confident we'll grow to meet that revenue or whatever. I think that uh, one mistake that a lot of people make is they go and they hire, they, they just like get whatever investment money they can. And there are a lot of bad investors out there um, that only care about money and well i to, think that to be fair are a lot that are if, different if, than that but to be fair um, if i were an investor i would be worried about money because that's that's kind of my thing right i mean as as an investor your your only care really is did my investment make me money or not investors typically aren't going I'm not saying they shouldn't I'm saying they're not going to care about the product or uh, the culture or anything other than did my investment make me money well I think that that is true in our industry in a lot of ways I think that um, for us say when we were starting repair tech we got some pretty early investment long time ago and those people actually it was like for them it was mostly mostly philanthropic because we were out coming out of the like Cal Poly entrepreneurial community uh, where we went to school and they had gone to Cal Poly and they were just trying to help that kind of like startup community exist and thrive. And they, they basically invested in us and they didn't really think they were going to get their money back. So they didn't, it wasn't financially motivated. Um, and that was more like a mentorship kind of relationship where they're super experienced entrepreneurs, they've done all kinds of things, and when I didn't know what to do, or I need, you know, we were making a big decision about a thing, and I just needed a little bit of perspective, I could call them and talk to them about it, and they, as past entrepreneurs or current entrepreneurs, could give me a little bit of insight. And I think that kind of thing is really, really helpful. There's like the concept of like dumb money and smart money or something. Mm. It's like, um, someone, you know, a bank just gives you money. They don't give you anything else. And there are people out there, I think, in our case, we were very lucky early on to have some folks that, like, weren't just about that. They were also about mentoring and giving advice. And um, they, yeah, so I, I'm super appreciative of them. I don't, I don't know that we'd be here if I didn't have someone to bounce things off of um, at that point. And I will say that I totally understand 
the perspective of the MSP in this space and having seen some of the things out there that you mentioned um, and that being not good for the MSP's experience. So I, I, what you said resonates with me. And I think it's not only is it not good for the MSPs, but I, I think ultimately it's, it's not good for the channel because as, as more and more PE money gets in this, in this realm here, especially, you know, you, you see, it's like the same two or three firms, right? So as, as they start to eat up more and more MSP channel vendors, um, MSPs are, are going to start to recognize, okay, well, if XYZ company owns all of this and they have a you know, proven track record of making each one of these products suck to the point where I, I stop using it, they just bought this, so now I just know I, I have three months to find a replacement. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're not investing in product, that's just kind of inevitable, right? Like, at some point, your technology is going to be out of date. I mentioned, like, Rails, starting at Rails 2 and going up to Rails 6 or whatever. If you're not doing that, your technology is eventually not going to be any good. Sure. So, I, I, I think that as a company, we need to always be investing in the product and always be investing in innovation and keeping up with the modern technology practices um and that that's really important so yeah i don't see that ever stopping okay so one of the things that i've been hearing uh and seeing a lot lately is more and more i th i think like local regional state type uh uh governments are are starting to look into should it consulting msps whatever we want to call ourselves should there be some type of regulation because i think people are starting to realize like crap you know these these people have the keys to the kingdom and shit keeps hitting the fan um it's not even proverbial shitty and it's literal shit now at this point it's it's everywhere <laughs> so so what what do you what do you see because i know like you know i'm in ohio you're in california i know we have uh very holy crap you're in california dude is it on fire where you're at are you okay um i'm in sacramento fires are very um air quality's been today's the first day the air quality's not like dangerous um, it's, it's pretty intense, uh, for the last month, been waking up, looking outside and it's been like raining ash. It's going to uh, be depressing. The sky's like red. It's like you're in, you know, or like the apocalypse and we can't go outside cause <laughs> coronavirus, like there's all this, you know, it used to be, you know, COVID it's like, uh, at least I can like go on a walk, you know, I can go outside and go to the park or something and like sit there you know with my wife or whatever um but with the smoke it's pretty much all you have, all you can do is stay inside and um have you considered yeah. a chain of a change of scenery yeah um you know joe rogan just moved to austin yeah I hear, <laughs> i've never been to austin but i hear it's awesome um i hear the music scene's really 
Great. Yeah. Uh, my wife and I, for our uh, anniversary, might we might drive to Colorado where her brother lives and hang out in a Airbnb for a couple of weeks or something, um, just to get a change of pace. Uh, so yeah, I um, I would love to to go on vacation to some other indoor area. Yeah, uh, I can see that. Yeah. I mean, literally, when when you're not even able to leave the house. Like, it's not even quarantine at this point for you. It's it's just freaking apocalypse outside and sadness. Yeah. it Yeah, it's tough. And a lot of people... Um, a lot of people are really affected by the fires. Um, you know, quite a few people. So it's, it's hard. Um, I like to play basketball. And that's been a challenge because I can't, <laughs> I can't go outside. So, um, it's been hard to feel healthy or whatever, but anyway, it's all good. Um, we're getting through it, trying to stay, trying to stay positive and work's a good escape and I enjoy work. So, uh, doing that. Brandon just asked, what's this word vacation y'all keep using? <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny. I, you know, it hasn't felt like we can take them or something. Mm. We, we've, you know, because there's nothing to do. It's like, what am I going to, I'm going to take a vacation in my house. So, uh, you know, we have, we've noticed, for example, some of our employees, like not taking vacation at all, which everyone's dealing with lots of stuff right now just life-wise um 2020 is a pretty intense year so mm -hmm. um we started doing some like summer friday kind of things where every couple of fridays we'll give people on the team like this isn't vacation just don't come to work just do whatever you want to do but you don't have to take vacation because we know everyone's dealing with lots of stuff and they don't want to take vacation because they can't it, like it's almost a waste yeah it's almost a waste of a vacation day um right so, so yeah, I, I could, I could see them, I could see them wanting to not like waste the vacation day. So that's really awesome of you to, right. to just say, just, just don't, but, but nobody comes to work. Like you don't have to be in Sacramento. No, I could be anywhere. Uh, we're completely remote and always have been. So, you know, Medina, uh, Ohio is nice yeah. this time of year. I don't, I don't know. I've only been there once. I really, you know, I, a lot of people give me a hard time for living in Ohio, and I don't know why. Like, we don't have hurricanes. We, we don't have fires. We have few tornadoes. Uh, we get snow. But we don't get, like, Montana, Nebraska snow. Like, we just, we get some snow. Yeah. You know? Like, and, and, and we're right next to Lake Erie. We're, we're next to all the Great Lakes, so we don't have to worry about, like, droughts. Yep. You know, like, I, I feel like, you know, and, and I'm not, I'm not really educated enough on this stuff to, to have a, a truly formed opinion. But I feel like, you know, with, with all the people over in uh, Arizona, New Mexico, California, Nevada, like that whole area, it's, it's just dry and sadness and burning half the year and earthquakes. Yeah, it's, and, it's like, a tough new yeah, we reality. Don't, we don't know? get earthquakes either. Like there's, there's, I think there was one a year ago, 
someone told me that it happened. I, I didn't know, because you know, it was like a negative three on the Richter scale. But, yeah, I mean, you, you really, I mean, you should go look at, at literally anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love California. I've lived here my whole life. But I've also driven across the country. Um, and I've been a lots of places for, say, conferences, for example. I, the only time I've ever been in Ohio was for a conference. Um, and I didn't really get a good perspective on it because I was pretty much in the hotel for three days. Um, oh, yeah, I bet I know which one. We were in Columbus. That at, sounds... Yeah. At, a, at a hotel for a five-letter conference. Yes, and it was... Um, the hotel was exactly the same as another hotel I'd been yeah. in in a different state. They're, so they're all really the same hotel. Like... <laughs> I didn't get any perspective. I, ha I do have a couple friends that are from Cleveland, so I've talked to them a little bit about that. But um, Next time you I... end up in Columbus, uh, let me know. I will drive two hours down to Columbus just to take you out. There is this, I don't even know what, what type of food it is, but there's this place in Columbus. My buddy John Dyes took me um, and, and my wife because she was there with me as well. We, we were at one of these conferences a few years ago, and they had, uh, like, Italian sausages and uh, pot roast and meatloaf and all this. It was buffet style. Oh, it was magical, Ian. And it was like, <laughs> it was like good old home cooked, just delicious food. It, my mouth is watering. It's one thirteen. I'm so hungry. <laughs> That's what I like to do when I go to any city. Is I have a system in Google Maps where I find the food that I want. So that's sounds sounds like my kind of thing. So I I think uh, the next time I go to a big city, I'm gonna look for some Indian food because there's one good Indian food place here, and it's you know. 40 minutes away and I never know when they're open because like they'll they'll like close after lunch and then they'll open back up a few hours later like is that a thing out by you like I feel like um, a lot of the ethnic restaurants like uh, sushi Chinese Indian uh, like like all of those I'm sure there's others but I mean those are the those are the ones that I get excited about I'm like Oh, it's three o'clock. I just finally got done working. I can finally eat lunch and it's closed. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I've been lucky enough to do a lot of traveling and um, I feel like America's the only place where restaurants are just open all the time. Like, really? if you go to Spain, they, you, they're they open like early in the morning till like 10 o'clock and then they're closed till like 2.30. Oh. So they're not even like, open for lunch. Well, Screw you, go well, home and eat. <laughs> well, it, so in, in Spain, they wake up late and they go to sleep late. So they eat a huge lunch. That's their version of our dinner. And so, but they have it late. And, like, even banks are, like, not open at, like, 11 o'clock in the morning. It's it's totally different. And, and you know, if you go to... Um, that's you know bizarre. a lot of other cultures um like there's a lot of japanese places for example that i've been to that they they close in between lunch and dinner now do you mean in japan or here in the states um here in the states but in thailand i've been to thailand i'm i'm half thai so in thailand they do that a lot too 
Um, yeah, so it's it is it's interesting. I feel like in the United States, um, everything's open all the time. <laughs> it's it's a little different in a lot of other places. So what's what's Thailand? I I get there's there's a few. I think Thailand and Philippines are really close to each other, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean Southeast Asia. Yeah. Okay, and and I'm sorry. I'm I'm like. I'm a dumb, uneducated white guy, okay? So... (laughs) (laughs) Alright, so Thailand, that's the one that's more like a tech hub in Southeast Asia besides China and Japan, right? Like, Thailand's the one Um, that is more uh, westernized and they've got a lot of English-speaking people. Like, that's that's where a lot of companies might outsource to, right? Um, there's a little bit of that. I would say that, like, in terms of Southeast Asia, the biggest tech hubs are, like, China, Japan, South Korea, Singapore, hmm. Taiwan. Like, the, a lot of those, there's a lot of tech stuff in those countries. Thailand has some. There's a lot of manufacturing in Thailand. Um, a lot of cars are made in Thailand. Um, hmm. There are um, almost... I think 70, this may not be true, but um, if you recall maybe five, six years ago, maybe it was even more now, there was a huge shortage of hard drives because of a flood. And it's because like 70% of the hard drives, at least at that time, I don't know what the number is now, are made in Thailand. So Western Digital, Seagate, they have huge factories in Thailand. Um, So there is some stuff there, but I think it's a lot of like manufacturing. Thailand does have a lot of English speaking because it's it's a huge tourist destination. So lots of Thai people speak English. It's a very welcoming That's country really cool. and um yeah, they're really used to English speaking from all over the world. So um now yeah. now again, dumb uneducated white guy, I'm told that it's it's not uncommon in uh, Thailand for you to have I don't know what the appropriate term is like a, a house helper I don't um, I would say that um, yeah it's funny there are a lot of things in Thailand if you have money that are a lot more like normal um, and, and I feel like their version of if you have money is much different from our version of if you have money it's because well, I feel I feel like you I or I could that, move there and live like kings. Yes, I mean our conversion rate is very good. It's like thirty baht to a dollar, um, and for uh-huh. context, like a bowl of noodles is probably thirty baht. So, like, if you pay ten dollars for a bowl of noodles here or whatever it might be, you pay one dollar there. Okay. So the conversion is quite good, especially for food. <laughs> um, and so I, I eat a lot when I'm there. Um, and uh, I would say that there are things you can do. There, the structure is a little less formal there in the sense that um, money can here. It's like, oh, if I want if I'm at a restaurant and I want a bottle of wine that they don't have at the restaurant. There's not really much you can do about that. 
but in Thailand, it wouldn't be weird for you to like give some money to the waiter and be like, hey, can you go get me this bottle of wine from 7-Eleven? And they would just go get it for you. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of just like a different... There are not as many like rules or something about like what you can do. So, but they they do have more strict laws in some aspect, right? Yes and no. Um, Thailand is a pretty relaxed culture. It, it like in terms of Asia, I don't I don't know that this is the right analogy because it maybe gives you the wrong idea. But there maybe Thailand's maybe the hippie culture of Asia. It's it's very chill. It's, Com- it's compared not, to the rest of Asia, it's very chill. Yes. Compared it, to America? Compared to America, um, there are some things that are much more relaxed and some things that are less. So drug laws, for example, in Thailand are very strict. Um, however, things like where can I build a house on my property? Like in Thailand, that's much easier to get done than here so so in thailand if i'm like i want to build a deck or i want to upgrade my house they're like i don't care as long as it's your property well like my mom does some real estate stuff there and so i hear about she still needs to go get a building permit from this from the like city office or whatever it might be but like she can get go get that done pretty quickly it's not it's it's not as like maybe bureaucratic or something there's not as many we have a gigantic government in the United States that has many different things and it's because we have a really big country. So, you know, Thailand's maybe the size of California ish. Oh. So I I've like, never actually thought about like if I wanted to compare size of something, you know. Right. So if you imagine like your state being the whole country, it's like, well, you could probably get things done a lot faster because there's just like less there's less stuff for the government to deal with <laughs> so they can do things faster. Um, you know, Thailand, there's a lot of really cool things. Um, we invent a lot of the technology here. For example, 4G, 5G, we go through every inter- iter- iteration. There, they're just like, that seems cool. Let's just jump to that. And they just have it. Like, they have way better internet than we do in huh. terms of, like, you, there, you, you go and you pay for... So Xfinity kind of, the Comcast kind of has this thing where like any of the like hotspots or whatever, you can get Wi-Fi. They have that, but it's like all of Bangkok. And there are seven, eight different companies. You can go to TOT or there's like other ones and you just have Wi-Fi like the whole city. It's not like a hotspot. It's like everywhere. Well, that sounds like what, like what some of the municipalities around here are starting to do. And, and I'll say, um, I, I don't like that, you know, cable companies, phone companies get to hold a monopoly over, over a town or area or whatever. So what I've started to see is that internet companies are starting to set up those, uh, just Wi-Fi across the whole city. You know, they'll, they'll pipe in internet to someone's house Hey, we'll we'll give you a discount, or we'll give it to you for free if you let us put a hotspot up on the roof or whatever, and yep. and transmit to a whole region. Like it's it's genius. I think that's great. Um, I I hear there's a, a lot of overhead and and very little profit in that, but for the ones that are able to figure out how to make it work, make it work well, 
and make some money at it, I feel like that would be the smartest thing to do. The problem is, you know, you're talking about, you know, you said Bangkok. I mean, that's actually a, a I'm going to call it a real city. You know, then there's cities like... Oh, it's huge. Then there's cities like Cuyahoga Falls. You know, they were looking at getting this, but they have like 30,000 is their population. Bangkok's how many million, you know, like... Yeah, I mean, it's like New York City combined with L.A. Oh, Bangkok's just, that big? Well, it's a big, sprawling city like L.A. is. Oh with goodness. crazy traffic problems. Oh. I don't know what the actual population is off the top of my head. But but then it's like, you know, many parts of it are built up like big buildings like New York City kind of thing. So it's a big, it's it's a gigantic metropolis of a city. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, there are certain technology things that they have that are... That are just better and they're a smaller country they're not like it it's a little bit different in terms of like how their political system is set up so they can kind of get things done a little bit faster um for better or worse and um so technology wise there are some things that are nice there so uh i'd like to ask you two questions and if if you don't want to answer them or just don't feel like whatever that's fine uh so i see thailand borders myanmar burma mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i remember vaguely when i was younger i remember seeing you know like free burma and and like concerts about this like anything we should know as americans about burma myanmar i can't say that i know i've been there once or maybe twice but it was when i was really young and i think i was only there for a day so i really don't know i know that a lot of those um like i've been to cambodia as well and cambodia had some pretty serious stuff uh with the khmer rouge and there, there's a lot of those countries neighboring thailand have had a rough time um and i don't pretend to be a historian on that but i think a lot of it has to do with colonization um they were each colonized by my rough interpretation of the history is that there used to be Siam, which was like the greater region there. And it was one kingdom. Um, and it included many of what are now separate countries and colonists came, I think the Dutch, the French, and I want to say the English. And they basically like the King of Siam gave them some of the, some of the, area to leave thailand alone and so thailand is the only country in southeast asia that hasn't been colonized by like westerners and so a lot of those other countries like a lot of their resources are a lot less or their culture hasn't it, it, they've had a hard time or they had some uh they just had less stability uh and so thailand has like a healthier economy than than most of them um and I think Myanmar is probably a similar situation, but I don't, I'm not going to pretend to know the, the history there. Um, so that's fair. I'm not sure. That's but. fair. Okay. So then, uh, oh, so we must be really behind or something. Cause Tony is, is finally now replying to the tech hub question. Uh, he said, Taiwan's the tech hub in Singapore too. And, and, Tony, uh, again, I'm sorry, dumb, uneducated white guy. 
Uh, I can tell Tony is Asian. Uh, last name is T-S-A-O. If I were to try and pronounce it, I would probably butcher it. Although, to be fair, so here's a... I think this is a funny story because uh, I, I like making fun of myself. So when I was younger, let's, you know, 19 or so, 20, 20, uh, I was working for this place, CompSource. And it, it was like, uh, it still exists, but it's, it's like a CDW, you know, mm-hmm. but nobody's heard of it. So, sure. so I worked there and I remember I had to, to call somebody. I was the account manager. I wasn't doing tech for them. I took a break from tech. I thought, yeah, I could make a bunch of money doing sales. Didn't do bad. Hated it, though. Uh, so I so I called uh, the U- University of New Mexico, I want to say, and I had to speak with Charles. Hi, can I please speak with Charles Nguyen? Why would you spell it like that if that's not how it's pronounced? I'm sorry, guys, but it just doesn't make sense. So my boss comes over, and she's like, what did you just say? Uh-huh. I said, I want to speak with Charles Nguyen. And she's like, you know that's pronounced when, right? I'm like, since when? But no, like, like I just don't understand. Like, I, I'm, I just... Sometimes I just make a complete ass out of myself. Yeah, that's okay. You know, we all make... Well, I think, I think it's all... It's it's hard to know everything. You can't, so make mistakes as long as you have good intentions, I think. It's okay to make mistakes. Well, that's fair. I, I appreciate that. Um, sorry, I've got somebody that keeps texting me. I just finally responded back with, shh. <laughs> So Tony said you can hire a maid for maybe $800 a month in Thailand or Southeast Asia, he's saying. Wow. $800 a month. And, and um, man, I... It w- seems like, like more than... I think for less you could do it. Well... I think it depends if they're a live-in maid or not. Oh my goodness, a live-in maid for $800. I mean... Yeah, people don't make as much money there. <laughs> so. No, no, it just blows like like that. That doesn't make me feel bad for anyone because I I suspect that even though you're only making eight hundred dollars, like if it only costs a dollar to buy a bowl of noodles, then does it really matter? You know what I mean? Like I feel like the amount of of dollars or I'm sorry, what's what's the currency over there? Bot. It's bot, yeah. Bot. So I, I think um, the the amount is irrelevant as long as you have enough to live uh, happily and comfortably. Yeah, it doesn't take much there. And for me, my number one thing is food. So food's cheap there. I I get to eat a lot of it. It wouldn't, yeah, wouldn't be, wouldn't be expensive. All right. So I I heard. Um, Tony said he's gonna. He wants to take me to a trip to Asia once this pandemic crisis ends. Hey, I'm all for it, man. Let's let's they do it. They have hardly any COVID cases in Thailand anymore. <laughs> so, they, they really don't. Do now, I if I went there, like two cases or something right now. Oh my goodness. So so here here's my other my my second question now, the one that you might not be able to answer. All right. 
nine dash line. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Look at a globe or a map or whatever and look in the South China Sea. You will probably see a line made out of nine dashes that go around the majority of the South China Sea. So it, it, it hooks around Vietnam, uh, they claim a bunch of islands, back down toward Malaysia, back up, uh, just up next to the Philippines and, and around Taiwan. They, they, so basically what that, that nine dash line is saying is China has claimed all of that stuff and Taiwan is within that, obviously. Got um, it. Does, does China, does China concern you when you think about your friends and family that live so close to them in Thailand and maybe other uh, Asian countries? Um, not particularly. I mean, it's, Thailand doesn't have the same kind of relationship with China that a Taiwan or a Hong Kong does. Um, China, China, China could not really make a claim that they own Thailand. Like, that wouldn't be a thing. But, you know, I understand. I'm not saying I'm worried they're, that they're going to claim they own you. I just feel like, man, with, with everything going on in 2020, I, at this point, am, am paranoid that mm. something bad's going to go down somewhere. Yeah, I We've mean, already got it happening here, but I mean more on a global scale. Yeah, it's... It's in, Thailand has an interesting relationship with China in that, like, a lot of Chinese tourists go to Thailand. A lot. Um, so I think there's, in my experience, there was a little bit of resentment there because it, Thai people felt like there was a lot, like, COVID in Thailand was the result of a lot of Chinese tourists coming. Um, so I think there's, there, my experience, and I, like, I was there in February, um, and, and was COVID that, was already, like, a thing there, right? There were four... I think there were 12 cases or some 14 cases when I was there. Um, actually, there were more in... Like, that was when Seattle... Like, while I was in Thailand was when Seattle, like, had a bunch of cases. Oh, see, I didn't realize Seattle had it that early because I, I know it was, like, March 15th or 13th or something like that. It was it was just before St. Patrick's Day. They they shut everything down here in Ohio. Yeah. And like I didn't realize how real COVID nineteen was until they shut down Ohio, like the whole freaking state, man. I'm like, yeah, oh, so it this is a thing. Early in Seattle, and it was real for people in Seattle, uh, pretty like earlier than the rest of the country, which is pretty, um, yeah. And then and then it hit New York City. Um, and, um, so I was in Thailand when that was happening and in, wow. it, it's interesting because the culture is so different there. Like they've had to deal with multiple pandemic, like they had to deal with SARS and I don't remember if it was swine flu or avian flu. And so the mass thing for them is like, they don't, they don't care. They're just going to do it. Like it's, it's not even like. Their immediate reaction was we're all wearing masks now. <laughs> so they didn't so this... they didn't like really care as much and they don't have 
they're the way the government's set up and everything like there's you get sprayed down before you go into a mall with like disinfectant like you walk through a mist of disinfectant so you're not sopping wet no you're not wet (laughs) but it's like mist they they like you get um that's pretty cool there's checkpoints where they do thermometer stuff you to go into even the most remote village oh wow like the way they have stuff testing they had it like that so there was all this stuff where they're again they're a small country they could respond very quickly and they have been able to control it really well and it's it's also a slightly different like culture it's a lot more like um i'm trying to i'm forgetting the word it's like collectivist or i don't remember if that's is a community oriented culture where people are very like they they don't want to be the one to give it to other people so it's it's very like people are took it very seriously i like that i i like and i i wish that we were more like that here i think in some sometimes we we start to act that way but but so often lately, everything is just so polarizing. You know, everything we see on the news, everything that a politician says, everything you read on Facebook. I, I think I caught like the first five minutes of the social dilemma and I was already starting to get heart palpitations because like in the first five minutes, it's like, oh, did you know that Facebook on purpose shows you only things in your news feed that will make you triggered? I'm like... Are you freaking serious? Like, that's... I didn't realize that's a thing. Like, why Why is Facebook trying to trigger me? So so now it makes me think, like, all right, uh, do I want to be on Facebook anymore? And unfortunately, the answer has to be yes, because I use it for business. That's exactly where I'm at. I wouldn't use it if, if I didn't have to for work. Like, I have a personal Facebook account but I almost never log in. And if I do, it's because someone posted in the users group. So I'm <laughs> really excited for us to have forums. Uh, once we can switch stuff over to, um, we're moving from Zendesk to Freshdesk. Oh, nice. And um, for our for our whole ticketing for our support team, and then also a knowledge base, and there's a lot of work to transfer everything over. And then, you know, we can have some community forums and stuff. Um, and then I can hopefully step away from facebook a little bit very cool hey so somebody left a comment regarding synchro uh synchro great product great people and our integration with them passes some of the best cleanest data over to lifecycle insights these guys are real disruptors i talked to them last week last week this week i don't know they all blend together now but yeah i talked to them recently that's really cool. And I, I know I, uh, I I had a great conversation with Mission Control. And yeah, they're a knock, right? They are. They, they do knock help yeah. desk services. And, and, and they're doing uh, ConnectWise and, and Datto. And I said, guys, you need to, uh, you need to know Synchro. You, you need to just, you need to be there, you know? Um so I was able to make that connection with, with him and Crystal. I think she probably got him in touch with you. Yep. And um, I'm excited. I, I think that 
I, I think that a, a serious integration with a knock help desk provider would only make Synchro look more appealing to, you know, MSPs around the, the country that are like, man, I just wish I could X, Y, Z, you know? Totally. I think we don't have a, an integration right now, and um, lots of knocks have actually reached out. It's funny, we're, we're getting a little bit more recognition or something at this point. We have a lot of, like, traction, so we have quite a few people reach out to us about integrations and being in the app center and all kinds of stuff like that so so it's fun so do you have anything being added to that app center like maybe in the next few months you you can tell me i, I won't tell anyone <laughs> um <laughs> uh probably a lot of things um we've in the past so just for like perspective on how we think about the app center when something goes in the app center we feel like we're endorsing it so we don't want to put things in there that are going to lead to a bad user experience so or... just because something integrates with synchro does not mean it belongs in the app center correct yes okay. uh, we we don't want people we don't want to push people to something that like where they have shady business practices or whether or where their product doesn't provide a lot of value but it's okay. expensive or something so we vet everything that goes in there um, as we've grown, we have now many, 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 I think there's probably 16 or 18 people that want to be in there and we haven't, it's been like a, um, it's been a pretty ad hoc process until now. And so now I'm, I'm working on a process that will have actual criteria where we're going to go and we're going to demo their product and do a little bit of research. We're going to, we're going to interview some of their users. We're going to, um, you know, talk to their team and make sure they're going to be around for a while um, and that kind of thing. And then we can put them in there if they pass all those tests. Can can I make a recommendation just as a, a current user? It would be great if maybe there were two lists. You know, there's the Synchro App Center. And you got really blurry, by the way. There's the Synchro App Center oh. where... Um, you know, here's here's the things that we recommend. We we vouch for these, but here's a list of everything that says it integrates with us. Your mileage may vary. Yeah, I could I could see that. I think that mm, I I have a feeling that the stuff that will pass our test will be most of the stuff, and. It's mostly just that we haven't had a process recently to vet how many things are now making integrations. Because it used to be that we would make every integration. Right, so, yeah. And so we put it in the app center because we made it. And um, now other people are making integrations. So, for example, Lifecycle Insights. Um, and they're like, how do we get in the app center? And so I tell, you know, we, we talk about it. And I think... I think it'll be good. I do worry about people that make an integration with us, but maybe like the integration's not good. Or maybe they and don't so, keep it up to date. You know, you update your your API and they never update their integration. Right. And I, I don't really in most cases there's an alternative where there is a good integration, and I'd rather point people in that direction. So, I think it's a balance of let's have lots of stuff in there and let's have those things all be good. 
Um, I think that's kind of, yeah. And then you wouldn't have seen the end result of that yet because I kind of just put together, put together this partner program. So we'll, huh. we'll, you'll see lots of new stuff in the next three months, hopefully. That's really cool. Um, any, any that you're just itching to tell me any, any names? Um, I don't know that any like stand out. I mean, I think there's a lot of smaller, okay. a lot of smaller companies. And frankly, like, I don't want to tell you a thing. And then we go and we vet the company and we're like, this isn't good enough. And are, then it doesn't go in there. Are there any companies that have made integrations for MSPs that you haven't vetted that the product itself sounds interesting? Yeah, um, you know, Lifecycle Insights, you just brought it up. It's interesting. Uh, tier 2 Tickets is interesting. They have, the, like, a, the physical help desk buttons. Yeah, um, those help desk yeah, buttons are neat, man. That one's interesting. Um, um, there's all kinds of stuff, and I have a list somewhere, and oh, that's fine. I haven't had enough coffee. Um, so, Do you need a coffee uh, break? No, I don't need a... No, I'm good. <laughs> but but after this, I'll have a coffee. That's that's fair. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a ton of stuff. I'm pretty excited about um, about a lot of the, the new stuff. We are building some fun integrations that are secret, but... Ah! Uh, I... Yeah. When, so that's... Yes. Any, any uh, ideas on when we'll see some of these fun secrets? Before the end of the year, for sure. <laughs> all right, all right. I I can wait if you know it's just a few more months. I I think I can hold it. All right. Um, Ian, I I really want to thank you, man. This this has been fun for me. I, I I love learning about other cultures and stuff. So you know, being able to talk about Thailand was fun. Um, yeah. I I gotta say, uh, more and more every day, I I love playing in synchro. There there is one one question that somebody asked. And I'll agree with this question. Tony asked the question, can we reduce the screen refreshes and ticketing? For example, upload a file. Oops, wait, refresh. Pop, pop outs, change status. Um, all of these things. And then I think the most frustrating thing is it doesn't even say, are you sure? Because I typed in, you know, 17 paragraphs into the ticket notes and then I mm -hmm. add a, I add a, an attachment and I'm like, mother. It just lost my 17. Yeah, so like asynchronous stuff. Um, yes, we we can do that kind of thing. Um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely possible from a technology perspective. Um, so I would love to know what those things are. If you want to send... I'm sure I could think of them, but if you're in it, you're like... You could probably name them really quickly. If you want to send me an email, my email is Ian, I-A-N at synchromsp.com. I'm happy to take like a bullet point list, share that with the dev team. That stuff's, um, I don't know if people have seen this, but we've been doing this like quality of life updates where we, in our Facebook group, we ask people like, what's your quick win quality of life thing? Like it's a small dev thing. So these would be good examples ah. um, where 
it would make your life so much better. And we've had these like like hundreds of comments, each with like one idea, and we'll bring that to the dev team. We'll like, and people will see how many people like each one, and someone you know a couple of them, two or three of them will win. We'll make those things and ship them, um, like and that's been that's been really fun. So um, if you do see that. Uh, Next time you see one of the quality of life threads uh, posted in there, or you can send that one to me directly. That's totally fine. I'd be happy to. That totally makes sense why you'd want that. I, I think the only quality of life thing that I would like, besides this, because this one does bother me too, I wish I could uh, enter the customer name and the rest of the ticket details when creating a new ticket. It bothers me that I have to enter a customer name select the customer and then hit the create ticket button and it's it was two pages i think we we maybe have your dream thing already oh have you seen um have you seen custom ticket flow workflows no well oh. let me let me say yes ish i see so that they there's... exist and i i started to create one and here's where i got confused other PSA tools call workflows automation. Well, call automations workflows. So I was looking at, all right, I keep getting this Datto email. They won't reply to me when I ask them to help me fix something, blah, blah, blah. So now I'm just going to automatically close the ticket. So I went to ticket work uh, workflows thinking that's where I needed to be. I'm like, this is not right. So, yeah. I, so I'm like, back up. I went to Ticket Automations and, and did it. Automations yeah. look great. Um, but yeah, workflows, I'll need this. to learn. This is pretty cool. So uh, where am I? Here. There. Start sharing. Can you see my screen? I can. Okay, so if you make a workflow, this is that, this basically replaces that whole create a ticket page. Oh. And you choose, oh, hey, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this to be required, and it's got all the different sections, and you can completely change it. Okay, and then when you make cool. a ticket, you can set you can set one of these as default. That is very cool. Alright, so I'm going to do that too. Let me uh I'm going to share my screen. This is going to be a multiple step process just because I'm in nine different apps to do this for people. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so share screen. Uh, sure, yeah. Of course, I'll give you access to everything, everywhere. Why wouldn't I do that, Skype? Do you want to quit Skype? That's a bad idea. Let's not. Now let's try this again. Ticket workflow. Alright, so you are seeing my screen. Yep. And now I need to get the people. Here we go. So in theory, 
Nope. Show. Google Chrome ticket workflow. There we go. Okay. So if I come in here and I hit new workflow, just call this ticket. Okay. So what if the customer already exists? Um well it's a Oh, if the customer already exists, then you should be able to find it already. Oh, like it'll it'll pop in. Yeah. Okay. Um I'll I'll do these two and I don't This is there's so many choices here, Ian. This is overwhelming. I don't care about address or any of this. Or this or this. Alright, subjects required. That that seems fair. Oh wait, no. Subjects not required. It's not even visible. I think you you have to have it. Okay. Descriptions required. I'm just gonna change it to show because why not? Um, assignee priority due date. She types required already. So then at the at the very bottom there you can add another section if you want to. So if you want if you knew this ticket was associated with a particular asset for example, oh. um, you know, you can you can that all you really need to do is add this section and then the uh, you know, if you wanted to go on site for an appointment, you could put that here, but you can always add this stuff after you make the ticket too. Sure. So now I've got this one here called ticket. Yeah. So if you go back now, you know, the, the one other thing I keep forgetting exists is this little plus button here. Yep. Because there's so many things up here. So obviously I'm on the trial, so that makes this. And then there's the green request to demo. Is this whole area not there if, if I were a paying customer? Correct. Yeah, those all go away. Okay. I, f I wish this plus were bigger and not next to the search. I think... I think it being next to the search, I assume it's a magnifying glass out of the corner of my eye, so I mm, never mm -hmm. look at it. Mm -hmm. So now if I got a new ticket... So right now, you, if you go back to the workflows, you can set a default, which would replace this screen. Oh. But you, you haven't done that yet, but you can just click choose workflow and, and select ticket, and we can kind of see the... Yeah, so if you see under default ticket flow, you just, yep, gotcha. there you go, and that's so it. So now when I come in here and I make a new ticket, oh, see, that's way better, Ian. Man, you just made my day.
glad to do it. Look at that. This this guy's a rock star. All right. Um. Well, I'm not sharing my screen with them anymore. I guess that's the important part. I can't even figure out how to stop sharing it with you because <laughs> who uses Skype, right? Just just this guy. Um, <laughs> Ian, I, I really appreciate you, you coming out here and you doing this. Um, Lonnie says, thinking about... I, I'm sorry, I, I keep wanting to like help you leave and go do anything else, but then I, I see one more... One more comment. Um, thinking about using Synchro will not use a ticketing system without autosave. Glad you mentioned that, Steve. Ian, please provide that. That's Makes right. sense. Now, I, I do remember seeing... I'm going to... Since my screen's theoretically still being shared. I do remember seeing... Um, if I go into a ticket... And I'll go into I'll go into this ticket. All right. So sometimes when you type in some stuff, and then like it refreshes, there's a button that shows. Yeah, this restore previously entered information. And if I hit restore, it does pull that back. I just need to remember that that was there. Um, because sometimes. I think when I when I do this and then I hit refresh that's there but if I if I do this then sometimes it just gets all messed up yeah see so I type stuff in and now that doesn't work mm -hmm. so it's not perfect I wish it were um, someone asked can synchro monitor network devices via SNMP not yet. Just wait just a little bit. Just a little bit. Okay. All right. I think we've answered all of their questions. Um, I was at least able to show people that um, there is sort of a workaround for that uh, restoring things that you typed in. It's not perfect, but it sounds like that you guys are, are considering this uh, quality of life update. We just need to, to get you guys a list of things that need to get fixed on the ticket screen here. That way when we add attachments, we don't lose all those paragraphs we typed in. Cool. Ian, anything that you would like to touch on before we wrap up? Uh, no, just thanks for having me on, and it's always fun. Um, I know you think yeah. you're beating me up, but I, I really don't mind. Um, I don't think I beat you up too bad today. No, I you, asked, not I at asked all. you some harder questions, and the reason I think they're harder is because I don't think you're in this all day every day like some other people in the company. Yeah, sure. I mean, I used to give all the demos and whatnot, and I'm a little bit, I'm, I'm, I'm a little removed from that at this point. But right, um, it's, it's still fun for me to be on, and I like to stay, um, I like to stay involved in lots of stuff. And uh, yeah, nothing in particular to say. But if anyone has questions or suggestions or anything like that, feel free to email me. I know they probably already saw Crystal, and you can email her as well. Um, yeah, thanks for having me on, and. I uh, you know we'll talk again soon. Awesome. Hey, 
thanks again for doing this. This was a lot of fun for me. Uh, please stay safe in California, man. I didn't even put two and two together. Like dumb, dumb white guy. Don't I don't you know I live in Ohio. I don't I don't expect you know the world to be on fire around me. So yeah, seriously, stay safe and uh, go to Colorado and maybe never go back to California. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I will uh, do my best to to stay safe and uh, you do the same and talk to talk to you soon. Take care, everybody. Have you been looking for a way to stay focused on your goals and grow your MSP? Accountability groups from Rocket MSP can help. We offer weekly accountability sessions that meet online with a group of your peers. Your success begins with accountability. Go to www.rocketmsp.io to join your accountability group today.